I don't think money is a good or a bad thing. I think people make good and bad decisions about what to do with money. Money's not the problem, people's decisions are. And so once I understood that, I'm like, I'm gonna make good decisions that are healthy for me and good for other people as well. Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, Every single week, we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high-performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. What are the secrets of the world's most successful 
influential and fulfilled human beings? What can we learn from them? How can we model their behavior and their interactions with other people? And what can we take away from how they've just managed to stand out so well to become part of that top 2%? And it's one of those funny things to talk about for me particularly because um, as you know my story, I never had any money growing up and it took a long time to go from the kid with no money to, you know, quote unquote, the millionaire messenger. You know, now I get asked to, uh, all the time about how to make wealth and how to build wealth and how to keep it and invest it and grow it. And um, I'm blessed to share the stage with a lot of the best thinkers in the world in the financial sector and many major hedge fund CEOs have been my clients. So I'm, I'm blessed to know a little bit about that area, but I'm sure you know a lot too because we've all had the daily realities of having to deal with money and having to make money and have to spend money and, and how to think about our future. Let's start right off the bat. I think this is the most important thing we have to do before we get into some tactics or some strategies or some ideas and philosophies about money is for you to be honest and ask yourself this such a simple question. Do I have an issue with money? I think you have to ask this to yourself. I don't know a single person when we talk about the top 2% and we're talking about the wealth category, who didn't have to at some point admit in their life they had an issue with money. They had an issue about people who made money. They had an issue about their belief about how much money they could make. They had an issue about where they came from and what money uh, associations they had. You know, maybe your parents, man, they were always saying, well, those rich people, you know, they're always doing this or they're doing that. Or those rich people, they avoid their taxes and won't pay for school. Or maybe your parents were saying, well, those poor people never work hard. Or these people over here, they just don't know the value of a good buck. We all have grown up with a community or a community contextualization about what money means. And we have to, before we can make more of it, uncover what that is and break through it. Me, personally, where I grew up, I grew up a, in, a, in a, you know, sort of a defunct Irish mining town that used to be a very, very, very big city in the world and uh, because it, that was where the copper was. Copper was king back then before steel and aluminum and other materials kind of dwarfed it. And I, you know, the, the town that I grew up in was, for centuries, had been economically deprived. And because of that and because of its immigrant status, there was a lot of fighting and challenges. And because of all of that, there was also a grand uh, element of poverty and folks really dealing with struggle with money. And that's where we grew up. I guess we kind of in that area, we, we grew up, I guess, what would be the middle of the community, if you will, middle class for that town, if you know what I mean. Um, but for the rest of the world, we were pretty challenged economically. And I remember growing up and just hearing from everybody that money, you know, rich people were bad. Rich people didn't understand. Rich people, you know, were selfish. Rich people had all these issues, you know, it was just on and on. Rich people, you know, they're all divorced and have multiple wives and 50 different kids. And, you know, they don't care about their cars. They're just buying new cars or something gets dented. And it was all these weird things I would hear over and over and over again. And it gave me an issue with money. So much so, I became so, in my mind, when I started starting my own business, I was so service-driven. You know, I, it bothered me to talk about money, to charge money. And yes, this is me, the millionaire messenger kid, telling you that I, mean, I had tremendous challenges with this. I just, I just wasn't used to talking about money. But then my businesses started taking off, and my brand started taking off, and people were very, they genuinely wanted to know. They're like, well, how did you make that you know, that result. And, and, and obviously you're, you're doing well. You've got the houses and the cars and the, and, and the, the clients. And the, how are you making this money? And people started, I mean, a lot of it was oriented around money. It freaked me out. 
So much so, I made sure when I wrote The Millionaire Messenger, I made sure the subtitle still said, make a difference and a fortune sharing your advice. But I led with make a difference. That was hugely important to me because to me, it's always been you know, about the mission. And I always thought if you serve your mission well and you honor it and you honor people's thoughts and behaviors and you add tremendous amounts of value and you work hard, that you'll do fine with money. And I think it's important if you have a mission that you do prioritize and make money as high as the mission, which is really hard to say to people, if you have an issue with money, that's how you tell. When I say to you that you should prioritize money as high as the mission, does that hook you? Does that upset you? Does that sound a ring untrue to you? If it does, it just means you have an issue with money. Because if you were able to step away from your life or your experience with money and, and, and take a, a philosophical view of what money is and its value exchange and its very definition, you would notice that also in your life, if you don't have the money, sometimes you can't sustain the, mesh, the mission or the message. I mean, I'm blessed to advise some of the, the world's largest nonprofit organizations. If they don't make the money, if they don't get the donors, if they don't get the grants, if they don't have the money, their mission in the world stops. They don't get to serve as many people. They don't get to save as many lives. That we can't separate the two in our minds as if we, we, we wished we only had to do one or have the other. That's kind of trying to live in a fairy tale land. And living in a fairy tale land is called having an issue. I try to say it lovingly. I've been there. I had an issue with money. You know, I would so often say, well, it's about the mission, it's about the mission, it's about the mission, I don't care about the money. Well, when I stopped caring about the money and I was doing good service in the world, then Sunday, one day I found out, I'm like, I'm in trouble financially. And I know maybe you've been there before, but I think it's really important for people to say, have I set a false limit on the amount of money I can make based on the meaning I've given to money? Because I think rich people are like this. Let me tell you what. I know lots of rich people and I know lots of poor people. I know some poor people who are bastards and I know some rich people are gems, just unbelievable giving people. You see people who are giving literally millions and billions of dollars away and they're not doing that just to escape taxes, they're doing it because they feel blessed for what they have. I've met so many literally billionaire families who generate and give so much that's under the radar that never gets press and play but I've also met the janitor at my old school who gave money back to the school, who he really was scraping together nickels, but he was still giving back. That part of us that wants to make a difference and give back, it's always there, is whether or not we tap into it. And the part of us that wants to get ahead and provide a good lifestyle for our kids and our family and, and to build a meaningful business that can make a difference, that's always there too, right? We have things to provide for. It's part of the reality of being in our community, in our culture. And so because of that, you have to give them at some level, not necessarily equal value, but they, most, they both have to be a priority. You have to make a difference and you have to make your wealth, at least from my perspective. Again, this is just me teaching my perspective. But if it really hooks you, you got an issue with money and you have to discover, well, why do you have that? And how much money do you want to make? How much money do you think would be a gross amount of money? I mean, like disgusting. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, to make a quarter million dollars a year, that'd be more than anybody else could ever make. That's disgusting, that's a gross amount of money. Some people are like, well, 100 million, that's gross, that amount of money. Well, what, what makes money gross? What makes, is, is, is it the amount or the use of it? 
See, I think all money really does, and we've heard this over and over and over again from wealth teachers throughout the millennia, it's like, it's just a tool. If you're a jerk, more money makes you more of a jerk. If you're a caring, kind, loving, giving person, more money makes you able to give more. It's just the reality. So we start this conversation, I know it might be silly, maybe you've heard these ideas before, but common sense is not always common practice, as we said throughout this entire session. The reality is, a lot of good people have stuck themselves financially on one level because they never had the guts to admit they had an issue with money based on how they were raised and the conversations in which money was around them. To me, I don't think money is a good or a bad thing. I think people make good and bad decisions about what to do with money. Money's not the problem, people's decisions are. And so once I understood that, I'm like, I'm gonna make good decisions that are healthy for me and good for other people as well. You know, people often say, well, how do I make more money? And, and what they're often under, misunderstanding is they just want more money without understanding where it comes from. Money comes from two things, scale and value. That if you're going to make more money or any, any business, diagnose any business in the world, the amount of revenue that's coming into that business is ultimately coming from the value they're providing to their customers in the community and the scale in which they are able to serve that value and more people, right? So if I have the world's best product, but my operations only allow me to serve seven people, well then, my revenue is gonna be less than if I have the world's best product and I've built the operations and the systems to enable me to serve a million people. That makes sense, right? A lot of people genuinely do have an unbelievable product or program, but they never created the structure, the systems, the overall scalability of the business to serve more people. My business was the same. I was looking at what I was doing and I was providing a tremendous amount of value, in my opinion. When I was going out there, I was a trainer, a keynote speaker at the time. And I would go out and I would speak on all these different stages. And I'd spend a tremendous amount of time doing that and telling people my information, training it and training it. And I was one of the highest paid speakers in the world on my topic. I was really proud of that, right? But I also recognized I had a ceiling in the amount of money I could make because I was like, I can't go to any more gigs. I, I can't get on more planes and go to more. I was already traveling almost all year. So I thought, okay, I need to scale myself. How can I scale my message? And that's when I started writing books because while I can't be in every city in the world, my books can be in every city in the world. And that's when I started doing these video programs. Like right now with you, if this was just one-on-one -on -one and I was coaching you or training you or working with you, it'd just be me and I'd be training, you know, I'd be trading sort of dollars per hour with you as a client. But maybe you're watching this right now and a couple thousand other people are also watching it. So video allows me to scale my message to more people, which also allows me to bring in more customers and increase my business revenue. So if you really wanna reach more, if you wanna make more money as a business owner, you have to say, how do I provide more value and build this structure, the systems, and sort of the business to allow me to scale that value to reach even more people? Today, most of that means, what are you doing online? That a lot of structure and a lot of scalability tactics today really come down to being, what are you doing online, digitally, to grow your business, to be able to serve 
more people, to enable your, your, your business and your revenue to scale by using the tools of the modern era online and digitally. So I think that makes sense and you know that. The real question though, it takes a lot of guts for someone to look at their business and to ask the simple question, am I providing the most amount of value in my marketplace? If not, there's room to grow. It also takes, am I building the architecture, the system, the structure, the strategies that allow me to serve more people? Because otherwise you have the greatest thing, but you're limited again by the ceiling of your structure. So I hope that makes sense. They're so simple to diagnose. Because once you realize that, you know, making more money, it kind of fits in these two buckets because everything else to make more money fits within, you know, one of these. So for so example, how do you make more money as a business? You get more clients. That's scale. You get clients to pay you more. That's increasing value. You get people to pay you on a more regular basis because you're providing more value, right? Everything you can think about usually fits into value and scale. And so as you start thinking about that, even if you think about, okay, how do we make more, more money? Well, we get more promotional partners. That's scaling of your marketing platforms. So everything you can usually bucket into business comes down to value and scale. And you just have to do the hard work of evaluating, where am I honestly? I've never seen a business in the world, even Fortune 100 companies, that can't, with they sit down. I took a senior executive team through this, about 20 people who controlled over $40 billion of value through a simple activity. This, we spent an entire day talking about these two topics for their product suite and for their organizational structures. Very simple. You can just start measuring yourself in these areas and working to improve it. If you don't know how to improve it, get a business coach, again, get a mentor, ask them, say, how could I add some more value? How can we scale this up? And there's lots of different innovative ways to do that. My message to you here is that that's where more money is gonna come from in the business. Now, a lot of people say, well, Brendan, I just wanna get paid more personally. You know, I work for a company, as an example, or I wanna get paid more even in my own entrepreneurial, solopreneur business. Well, I like to remind people that the pay, when people are paying you, outside of like, quote unquote, direct business revenue, if people are gonna pay you, here's what they pay you for. They pay you for your positioning, and they pay you for your performance. So these are two things we can increase as individuals in the marketplace. Our positioning in the marketplace, what does that mean by that? Well, our positioning is basically our sense of credibility and contrast to the market. So how are you credible because you've gotten results and you've been there, done that, or you've done the research to have the perspective to be well positioned, that people think highly of you, you have an online presence, people are talking about you, but contrast is about how are you different? That's positioning, right? Positioning is, well, this company is different than this other company. Apple is a different company than its competitors, and that's why it has so many raving fans. Like, diehard raving fans come from contrast in the marketplace. When you are different, people love you. If you're different in how you add value to them, that's all that matters. You don't have to be different in stylistic, it just looks cooler. No, is there more value there? That's where you get it from. Your positioning in the marketplace tells the marketplace why are you credible and how are you different and how much you've communicated that. Let me say that again. Your positioning in the marketplace tells people why are you credible and how are you different 
And how much have you told the audience that? Because you see, your potential customers and clients, maybe you're really, you should be well positioned, but nobody knows about you. You're not positioned in the marketplace, you exist in the marketplace. And there's a difference between the top companies in the world. They're vying for that top 2% in the marketplace saying, how do we become the top here? How do we become number one, two, or three, right? In this area. It's old Jack Welch stuff. He'd say, if we, look, if we can't be number one, two, or three in any given business unit of our company, let's get rid of it. Let's sell it. Let's change this company structure. Let's make sure we're number one or two. And so you have to have that ideal. Maybe you don't ever reach it, but reaching for it will make you better. It will demand you to add more value and scale more intelligently. Your positioning is everything. If your position is the number one person in your brand, in, I'm sorry, in your industry, in your marketplace, you're gonna get paid higher. So where are you positioned? Do people know about your credibility, know how you're different? Has it been communicated? Are your competitors talking about you? And, and are they copying you yet? If not, then you haven't innovated enough, right? You're just kind of, you're in the market, but you're not playing the market, right? Your job is to figure out how can I position ourselves intelligently and authentically so everyone knows how good we are and they know how we are different. Then you start getting paid more. And then personally, your performance dictates everything about pay because you know what? A lot of people, they're just not productive. And they're like, I can't, you know, Brendan, I'm really smart. I got, I've created a lot of things and you know, a lot of people talk about me, but uh, I don't know, I'm not getting paid. I'm like, well, what did you produce? Because your performance, your ability to get things done and get results is everything, right? That's where that whole idea of merit pay came from, right? The person who deserves it should get paid the most because they're outperforming everybody else. And if you've ever been in an organization where you're outperforming in everybody else and not getting paid, either one of two things was happening. One, you need to revisit yourself because maybe you were delusional and other people were outperforming you but you couldn't admit it. Or two, you needed to leave because you weren't getting paid what you were worth and you were letting fear stop you from making that very simple decision. And I know it doesn't sound popular to say it's a simple decision to leave a work environment where you're not getting paid, but why isn't it simple? Why do we complicate things? If we're not being valued for the real value we add, if people don't want us there, then leave. Life is so short. I think people have way, way, way overestimated this. And I get criticized. Well, Brendan, people have mortgages. People have this and people have this and this. Yeah, I know. And people die. Life is awfully short. And if you're not being valued for what you're really worth and what you're really contributing, there's a million businesses out there. There's a million opportunities. At least start planning your exit. Say six months from here, I am gone and stick to it. No matter what, six months, if you got something else or you don't have something else, you're gone. Go get what you deserve in life, not settle for what you've landed on. That's my personal perspective. I think a lot of people deserve a lot more pay, but they're not willing to work for it. This is my favorite quote of all time in the wealth space from my work. Very simple, but it's this. When you knock on the door of opportunity, do not be surprised that it is work who answers. You wanna get paid more? You're gonna have to work more. You're gonna have to deliver more. You're gonna stay up more late nights. You're gonna have to innovate more. You're gonna have to push yourself more than you've ever pushed to break through. The nice thing is if you perform at that level and you break through, all of a sudden you're sitting on top of the positioning and now people wanna get paid you more. I became the highest paid high performance coach in the world for a reason. I bust my butt 
putting out this type of information. I bust my butt doing marketing and positioning myself in the, in the, in the space with other trainers, for other trainers, on other trainer stages, putting out number one New York Times bestselling books. I mean, I did everything to position myself so that when someone said, motivation to high performance, they thought of me at least. Now, there's lots of other people who have even better positioning. So I watch them and I learn from them. I'm like, oh, okay, how can I do better? Because I wanna add more value and reach more people. Because that allows me to know I'll make more money and because I have no issue with money, I know I'll just serve more people. I hope that informs you of how I think through these things, but honestly, all of this, I've kind of been taught by other people. You know, this is how I've been taught to work through my own issues with money and to think about them. So what does all this require? Well, all this requires first and foremost a lot of introspection to sit down and think about how do I feel about money? What do I want to make in my life? What would I do with tremendous financial abundance if I had it? How can I add more value than I'm adding right now to all of my customers throughout all of their interactions with me from beginning to end? How can I scale my business by bringing on people who are smarter than me, by using better tools and systems out there, by changing up a strategy to reach more people because that's where I'll make it? How can I personally or with my business position ourselves differently from the marketplace so they understand how good we are and how credible we are? How can we keep getting sustained performance over the long term, working hard, getting the results, and make sure, again, the market knows it? All of that takes a lot of effort. But in the end, we have to have this number one skill because this is where all of this ultimately comes from in terms of generating that value. And you've heard this before, it's nothing new to me, and you'll hear it over and over and over again in all the classics about wealth, that the number one skill is selling. You have to get comfortable with selling. And uh, if you have an issue with selling, it's time to revisit that. The car that you drive to work, you would not drive unless it was sold to you. The TV you watch at home was sold. The, 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 the cause or belief that you believe in so deeply was sold to you. That doesn't mean we were all sold like we were, like some people associate the word selling as in pulling the wool over someone's eyes. What it means is someone had to persuade you and influence you to commit you to making a decision. And that's called selling. Right? And you have to evaluate, like if you're really struggling with money, you probably don't only have an issue with money, but you might have an issue with selling. You, you don't feel comfortable promoting something yet. And that's okay, I've been there. And I'm not, by the way, please don't quote, misquote me and assume I'm saying that about everybody who struggles with money. I struggled with money at parts of my life and I was cool with selling. And people who are struggling with money in their lives, it's often for tons of reasons. And some of those reasons are economic that they cannot control, cultural that they cannot control, and familial, something's going on in their family or in their personal life. Some people have tremendous financial difficulties in their lives, not because they can't sell, but because they're health issues. So I'm not making judgments here. I'm just trying to talk universally about the top 2%, and all of them will tell you, you have to learn how to persuade, influence, and sell. And it's so simple because most of all selling comes down to very simple things. If you're trying to communicate something that somebody should believe in, you just sell them, you persuade them, you demonstrate what benefits they would get by simply following your advice or simply buying your thing. All selling comes down to persuading somebody that the benefits that they will receive by taking an action will outweigh 
the cost. That's really what selling is. It's persuading people on the benefits of doing something or buying something and saying that those benefits outweigh the costs. It's so simple once you get that down, huh, I got it. Then you realize there's only two kinds of benefits that you can sell on anyone. Intrinsic benefits, extrinsic benefits. Intrinsic benefits are the personal motivations. Why they would want to do something or buy something for their personal reasons, for the ideals usually of it means something to them. They find satisfaction, joy, or personal passion into it. That's the intrinsic rewards of having something. Then the extrinsic rewards on having something are generally more tangible, right? Less personal, more tangible. Extrinsic rewards are like, it's like money, fame, power, celebrity, use, utilization, utilitarian stuff, right? It's very simple to think, okay, wow, okay, you do this because it's good for you personally, and you know, it gives you this other benefit that's real world stuff. It's so simple. You just learned that all parts of selling is kind of this dance between you sharing intrinsic rewards and benefits with them and extrinsic rewards and benefits. If this is all new to you, go buy any book on selling. It will cover that. Your job isn't to say, yeah, yeah, I got this. Your job is to say, how good are you? To measure yourself and be honest with yourself. How good are you at selling? And if you find yourself saying, I'm kind of terrible, what should be your job? To go get better. Because if you want to make more money and serve more people, you have to learn to persuade, influence, and yes, sell them on your ideas, your mission, your cause, your dream, your products and your programs. And I would just argue, you deserve that, you know? I mean, I think what you'll find is if you're not willing to put yourself out there and sell ideas, sell products and programs, you'll never be able to achieve a lot of wealth in life unless you inherited it. You know, and then you'll probably ruin it because you won't have the ability to go and sell people on an important mission to do with it. So everything you can, go learn about influence. Go learn as much as you can about actual selling and persuading because it is a skill. Hey, it's Brendan. You know one question I never anticipated getting as the world's leading high performance coach? It's, Brendan, what kind of car do you drive? I never anticipated getting that, but I drive a Range Rover Sport. I love this thing. You know, when you look at the Range Rover Sport, it, you just know it's, it's powerful, it's all-terrain, it's the thing in sporting luxury, but what a lot of people don't know is when you get in this thing, it's got this uh, like cockpit-like experience inside. It feels amazing to drive it. Inside, there's noise cancellation, there's cabin air purification, they have massage seats, literally. I mean, this thing is awesome. It's my favorite drive. It's got the power, the performance, the agility that someone like me who's really into high performance cares about. You can go build your own Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. And while we're on the topic of selling, let me cover one more big picture framework for you that might actually really help because some people say, well, Brenda, I don't need to sell in my given position or things like that. As I've shared with you, you do. We all have to sell our ideas and our content. But a lot of people also, I think, could benefit from understanding where revenue can come into a business. 
there's really only seven different areas in which we can increase the revenue of any given business. And I wanna share it with you, even if you might work for somebody else, you work for another business, it's vital for you to understand where are the opportunities for new revenue to come into a business? Because when you know these seven areas, now in your brainstorming sessions for that business, then you are finally able to add value in a way in which you understand the bottom line. You understand, especially, how the business will grow by revenue. Because there's only seven ways, and I'd like to share those with you. If you own your own business, your job is to have strategies for each one of these seven areas to generate additional revenue. If you don't have a strategy for this, then you don't have an overall revenue strategy for your business, and you're just hoping that more people come in the door or more people buy your stuff online, but uh, hope is a really bad business strategy, right? You have to have a plan. And so I want you to plan for each of these. And again, if you work for somebody, I want you to understand each of these so you can add new ideas and new value to the business that you're working for. And that will make you a more valued employee and that will also increase your pay, I believe, over time. So it just makes you a more informed uh, member or team member of a business. So how do we increase the revenue of a business? Now, I'm not talking about cost cutting. Cost cutting can absolutely be part of that. You can, you can make more money, increase your profit by doing some cost cutting. But most of that, people kind of get cost cutting, right? You get rid of people or resources that are not contributing as much value to the bottom line as you would like. That happens all the time, but I want to add value in a way in which you're building here versus just stripping down. If you need to cost cut, then absolutely be aware of what you can do for that. I think there's lots of different programs and ideas for that. But a lot of people really struggle with the marketing and the revenue side. So let me add the value there because this is what I do for a lot of our businesses. You know, In my own businesses, we're at eight-figure level of my own brands. Um, each of my brands, I build them to the million-dollar levels each within one year's uh, time frame happens because I have strategies for these. And I've done that. Six years in a row, built a new brand or business and ran it to a million dollars in revenue within 12 months of starting it. And everyone's like, whoa, how do you, wait, you became a millionaire every single time you start something? I go, yeah, because I have a plan for this. And I always recognize the top 2%, they have plans, right? And they're implementing those plans, they're learning, they're building, but at least they have strategy. So what areas would you need to develop more revenue in your business or for the business that you work for? The first one that's obvious, but a lot of people don't have a plan for is you need more leads. That's the symbol for more than, right? You need more leads, additional leads, more people coming into your brand, your business, your marketing funnel. You need to be attracting more customers, more clients, more prospects. How do you do that? Well, today it's by putting out free value. You know, in the online marketing space where I've become one of the number one highest paid online marketing trainers in the world, the reason I did that was only because I helped people really understand that if you add tremendous value to people for free, but then you make a strategic offer after that, where you basically say, hey guys, here's a bunch of free stuff, and they love that, then you say, hey, you love that? Here's this additional thing that I have and we just put it to a process. Jeff Walker taught this in the online marketing space, famously under the product launch formula, right? And I teach this, I can't think of anyone who doesn't teach that. The best way to get leads is to add free value in the marketplace and then capture their names and their emails and keep in contact with them. Today, 
Everything, everything is about getting people's first name, their email, and their phone number. You have those things, those tools, become your best tools to increasing your revenue. The more people you have, the more people you can sell. So your job is to think, what am I gonna do to get more contact information of potential people who become buyers, right? Everything I do on the online space is oriented to, at some point, whether it's, if it's social media or even running ads, it serves only one reason, to get someone to a page where they give me their name and their email. Because once I have their name and email, I can follow up with them over a long period of time, and that increases, obviously, the value over the lifetime of that prospect or that customer. But if you don't have their contact information, you are always in a lot of trouble. Matter of fact, you often hear in the online marketing world especially, your list is your retirement fund. When you have people's names and emails, you can always introduce your new products, your new programs, your new services, and keep up with them. And some people, they're just like, in the social media world, it's become so fashionable to say, no, 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 just get their like, just get their follower, just get their subscription. And that's all good and valuable. But there are a lot of people saying, well, Brendan, you know, email's going away. Email's not going away. The entire basis of the digital economy is built on emails. Right? People say, no, no, social media is gonna take over email. Right? People will Facebook message each other instead of using email. I'm like, really? How do you log into your Facebook account? With your email address. Everything we know, all the notifications from social media comes through email address. When you go to work, what are you checking? You're focusing on your email address. If you're focusing on your social media all day at work, you should be fired. Uh, <laughs> but your job is to think, okay, what can we do to get more people to give us their names and emails address? Email addresses are winning presidential elections these days in the United States. The more you got, the more of a groundswell. You got an army, you got a troop, you got people. Everything in your business should focus to this question of how do we get more people to come into the doors? Because if we do that, then we can grow our revenue, right? If we don't, we're in trouble. Now that's just one of the key ways to do it, and it's a vital way. So. If you're thinking about adding more value to your business, what recommendations could you make to your boss, to your manager, to your business unit, to your teams to think about how could we do something in a way that generates people talking more about it and getting more referrals or getting more website traffic so we can capture more names and emails. If you're not capturing names and emails today, you don't have a real lasting and profitable business. It's just the way it is. You can have lots of people coming into your doors but what if they stop coming? Now you can't talk to them anymore. Now you're in trouble. Capture the leads. The second thing to increase revenue is to get higher conversions, right? If five people come into the cupcake shop and only one person buys cupcakes, the easiest way to increase revenue is to change your strategy when that person comes in the door. Now four people out of five buy that cupcake. So you have the same number of leads, five people coming in, but you increase your conversions. You went from one person buying a cupcake to four people buying a cupcake. That increase in your conversion is often the lowest hanging fruit to increase your revenue. So another way to think about this is if you sell something online, if 100 people come to your website, but only 20 buy, you should sit and go, okay, what can I do to get 30 to buy, to get 40 to buy, to get 50 to buy, to get 60 to buy? 60 to buy? Can I change? 
the headline? Can I change the sales strategy? Can I change the benefits? Can I change the copy? Can I change the color of the buttons, the look of the page? Uh, can I add some new testimonials? Can I change the guarantee? Can I change the price if I have to? Can I add some new bonuses? Your job is to constantly think, how do we increase the number of people who see this thing, but buy it? And I can't tell you how many people don't even measure their conversions. Most of the retail giants of the days gone by that went broke, they went broke because they weren't paying attention to their overall conversions. They were so focused on just branding and, and spending on advertising, but they were never actually measuring, does that advertising convert into a buyer? Or the number of people who walking through our doors is the number of people who buy something before they leave increasing, right? They were not being intelligent about this question of conversions. And you need to track this stuff. If you don't have a strategy in your business right now of tracking the conversions on your web pages, on tracking the, the, the sales that happen with your, your first-time clients all the way to your long-term clients, then you're not, you don't have any data. And if you can't manage the data, you can't manage the growth of the business. So you gotta have a strategy in place to getting higher conversions. Tweak your offers, tweak the customer experiences to get more people to buy. Hey gang, it's Brendan. I'm gonna change gears real quick and talk about another show here on the Growth Day Podcast Network, Lori Harder. Her show is called Earn Your Happy. This is a monster podcast if you've never heard of it before. Earn Your Happy is all about Lori talking with people and sharing her own journey of being an entrepreneur and trying to find happiness in life. And I love her phrase, earn your happy. You know, if you've ever heard me tell my car accident story, I felt like at that moment, I got life's golden ticket, that second chance, but I also felt like this, this feeling that I had to earn it, to earn that second chance. So when I got to know Lori, and she told me her show was called Earn Your Happy, I was like, ah, oh, it's one of my favorite words in the English language, earn to earn the gifts we've been given, to earn the life that we want, to work for it, to strive for it. I just love it. And Lori is like listening to her episodes. I told her the other day, I was like, it's kind of like listening to a best friend talk about you know their ambitions and what they're trying to do. And she's such a great interviewer as well, by the way, that I think you're gonna get new perspectives about life. You'll laugh a lot, you'll be motivated, and you'll learn from somebody who's out there actually doing the work, building a great business and life and family. Go subscribe to Lori Harder's podcast. It's called Earn Your Happy. You can subscribe anywhere you're listening, including right now on this platform. So please go subscribe to Lori Harder's Earn Your Happy podcast. Hey, it's Brendan, and I wanna tell you about Circle and how powerful it is if you're trying to build your online community outside of Facebook groups. You know, I had this problem a couple of years ago where I just started noticing when I was running a Facebook group, um, really Facebook was incentivized to kind of steal my customer and steal my audience. So they'd recommend other things I didn't like, or honestly, my members were losing my posts in the feed. I didn't really have the information or the data about the people in the group that I wanted. It was hard to actually communicate with them offline, out of the group. And most importantly, it was hard to sell stuff. 
and have an actual business from it without driving them to other places. And then came along Circle. And it's just at the website circle.so. So just go to circle.so. And you can see that they have built this incredible platform that allows you to host a community, go live in that community, and really segment the community into these different spaces where you can give people access to different levels of content or community, which I absolutely love. Because, you know, in my businesses, I've got new people coming in, I've got paying members coming in, I've got all these different products or courses or programs, and, and they've always had these different logins, they've been all over the place. Now, with Circle, it's in one place. My community can meet there. They can post, I can post, we can use like multimedia posts as well. They can post video or audio, so can I. I can organize things, all of my content in very unique places and grant access to only some people. And of course, I can have my team in there moderating the whole community with me. Everybody needs this. Everyone's trying to build their community, but they struggle. Like what system or what tools do you need to use or have? Trust me, building it out on your own, not an option. Too expensive, too time consuming. So go to circle.so and check it out. If you're trying to build a community and really maintain control of that community and do a great job serving them and building a business from it, go to circle.so.